Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. Listen to the Inside Carolina podcast, sponsored by JohnnyTShirt.com. And of course, Johnny T-Shirt, as with all small businesses and all locally owned businesses, needs your help to get out. You can't get out and go to them. If you're on Franklin Street for some reason and you can get by there um, someday soon, check them out. But certainly inside, Carolina wants you to go to johnnytshirt.com, spend your money there, get all your Carolina gear, and, of course, get 10% off if you're a premium subscriber. They're worth it. Uh, Their love for inside Carolina is worth it. And their gear that you can get, anything Carolina-related, literally, is the best in the business inside Carolina sponsor of the or sponsor of the podcast, johnnytshirt.com and Johnny T-Shirt on Franklin Street. All right, on the beat podcast, so I've got Ross Martin and Greg Barnes. Ross, I'm going to come to you first, my man. You said when we were setting up this podcast um, that all you had was time, anything but time, and it's been a rough quarantine time. We'll get to that, but your thoughts on these Zoom interviews with these coaches, and we'll discuss the nuts and bolts of them, but how how much easier is your job now, or is it with this Zoom feature that these coaches are doing? Well, yeah, I mean, props to UNC for doing this. It looks like we're going to get a a football coach a week for the next uh, no, the next couple months. I guess we've had Mac Brown and, and Phil Longo and Brian Hess already, so three coaches down. Uh, I guess eight or so left um, every Monday. So I mean. Just like everybody else is adapting, UNC has adapted and figured out the technology and pretty easy just to log on. You can pretty much wear whatever you want to wear and you're there sitting there talking to Mac Brown or Phil Longo or Roy Williams today. And we're going to have uh, Sam Howe tomorrow. So we're going to have three this week if you include basketball and football. Um, so it's it's good. I mean, I was heading into this quarantine. You're like, man, what are we going to write about? But I think at least for the, you know, for two or three days after the, interview we're getting some stuff to write about so that's good now there's not too much to talk about it's it's all kind of off-season stuff um and it, a lot of it does surround how the team and the staff are handling different facets of this quarantine and social distancing like recruiting how Roy and his staff are going to evaluate players without a live evaluation period or how um, Brian Hess and the UNC football team are, are going to do strength conditioning 
without being on campus or how missing spring affects the team. So a lot of it's related to that. But um, yeah, other than that, it's, it's kind of finding things to write on and, and manufacturing some content. Uh, on Monday, I posted uh, something with, with Gregory's help, 10 players that we thought we were really looking forward to seeing in the spring and maybe guys with a chance to, to really develop in the spring that we're looking forward to seeing. So things like that where it's not news, but it's kind of creative content that I think our readers will still be interested in consuming and kind of breaking down different aspects of different teams and players. So expect more of that, a couple things a week that are, are kind of manufactured content, in my opinion. Yeah, Greg, does it hurt programs if everybody's in the same boat? Um, does this ultimately hurt college sports as far as the product we'll see on the field? How, how do you think this affects that? Or will, whenever it fires back up, we'll talk about college football to start with. Whenever it gets back going, we'll, we'll people that watch, the non-professionals or even some of the professionals, will they even notice a difference in the product we may see on the field coming out of this? I think so, um, and I think it's a matter of uh, it's perspective, right? Like I think there's definitely going to be a a at least early on uh, lesser quality play, but I think because fans are going to be just uh, so hungry for sports that they don't care. They just want to see guys out there banging their heads together if it's football or whatever, you know, whatever ever other sport. Um, but it, yeah. When when you completely drop the chain of events that lead to a season, you know, as as coaches have talked about, and uh, Brian Hess even mentioned this when we talked to him last week. You years ago, you showed up in August, and you had two days, and guys were passing out because they didn't have enough water and all these things. That was your month to get your team ready, and then you went out and you played on Saturdays in the fall, and that was pretty much what the football season was. That is no more. And what we have seen over the years, I mean, it's a full-time deal now. It is a year-round exercise in most of these sports. I mean, think about football, for example. North Carolina played their bowl game in late December. They take a couple weeks off, and then when classes start back, I guess the second week of January, what happens? They start the conditioning program. And Brian Hess wanted two extra weeks for that conditioning program to make sure that he was able to get his guys where he wanted them entering spring ball. You have spring ball until third week of April. They have a couple weeks off for exams and to get through class. And then they're right back at it. You know, he said he really needed the guys on campus for at least eight weeks is what he hoped in order to have them uh, at least in good enough shape to start the season. So this is a year round thing. And so, Regardless of what sport it is, I, mean, I think basketball is better suited than than any other sport, uh, just because they're on the tail end of their season when when all this came down. Um, but but I think football is really going to be thrown for a loop, and it's the coaches who are most creative and who adapt the best, and who are the best motivators, right? I mean, we can talk about X's and O's and schemes and all these kind of things. If you cannot motivate your players to do everything they can when they don't have that that thumb on top of them. They don't have Mac Brown walking into the room and, hey, let's get it together. And they're at home and they can sleep in and they can cheat a little bit. If you don't have that motivation, those are the teams that are going to struggle. Um, you would think North Carolina's in, in decent position there, but we're still, you know, a little over a year into Mac's 
program. So there's still a lot of culture that has to change. So that that's certainly a challenge. But I, but I do think I do think the product that we see whenever this gets back going, and you know my stance on it, I think we're going to have an abbreviated football schedule. But once once we get back to this point of everybody showing up, you are going to see a little bit sluggish, rusty product. But then it'll, it'll get back to, to normal uh, activity and normal quality uh, sooner than later. Yeah, part of me says everybody's going to be on the same footing. So it'll, it'll it might be lesser quality, but will we be will we be able to tell it's lesser quality because both teams will be playing down at a lower level. But Ross, one thing that speaks to the importance of spring ball and all this process is what Longo talked about, I believe, yesterday in his Zoom interview with talking about the offensive line. I mean, when they got in town this time last year or a few months before this, 14, 15 months ago, the offensive line was not in good shape and they were able to whip them up into relatively good shape by the time the season started. They don't have that. And like Ross said, I mean, like Greg says, now all you have to rely on is a bunch of self-starters for your football program. I mean, is Carolina in good position? If if this had happened a year ago, I think it would have been devastating for Carolina's football program. But now that it's happening now, how do you think it really affects them moving forward? Yeah, I guess now I know the standard, and they can kind of they're going to realize wh- where they need to be when they come back. So th- that provides some intrinsic motivation. Um, there, I mean, it's going to be there's going to be a drop off when they get back, whether that be in July or August. I mean, they're, they're not going to be where they they should have they would have been if there was none of this happened and they had spring practice and they had all the June and July conditioning. So there's going to be definitely a period of getting stronger, getting faster. And then they're going to miss kind of the OTAs where they can they work with their all whole offense and it's kind of player coached. Um, so I mean, and yeah, I mean, you're not going to be li- the strength they're lifting in the in the summer with the the full weight room. There's no way they can replicate that at home, especially when it comes to the offensive defensive line where they're putting up a lot of different types of weight with a lot of different power lifts and Olympic lifts and things like that. Skill players, I think, you know, they're not adding as much bulk but so that'll be a little different uh and then the offensive line you mentioned that and I, i'm gonna write on that a little bit later in the week but yeah it was kind of kind of shocking hearing longer talk about where the offensive line was when he got here so it was the weakest position group on the offensive side of the ball a little damning for the previous staff the previous strength conditioning staff but coach has got them pretty close where they need to be and and they work with them and coach cereal's got them in line he hopes to have about seven or eight guys who can play next year um, and there's a lot of young players and there's not too many proven people. They returned three of five starters, but there's a lot of big position group battles or different position battles that we were going to watch in the spring. And that will have to be postponed until summer or preseason camp. You got three guys competing for center with Brian Anderson, Ty Murray. And they said they've been pretty impressed with what Jonathan Adorno can do, moving him to, to center the incoming freshman. Um, Awesome Richards is kind of your left tackle, but there's going to be competition there. And he mentioned William Barnes, amongst other people that will be competing at guard. You got to think that Jordan Tucker is cemented at, at right tackle. And, he, you know, he, maybe he plays left tackle as well. So all those question marks and position battles are going to have to be answered later. And, and that's just the, the world we live in right now. Greg, you agree that going dealing with this, maybe it's the offensive line, uh, and, and we can talk about defense separately one day down the road. But it, as far as 
position groups that may have the most issues? Is it the offensive line or is it the timing that maybe the wide receivers and the quarterbacks develop on which may suffer the most? It's a good question. I would probably say offensive line just because of that, that timing. Um, I think the fact that the Sam, um, I think the fact that the Sam, you got a lot of work in with the guys last year that he's going to throw to this year really helps. And so there is a familiarity there. Will it be Russ? Sure. Um, but offensive line wise, you do have a lot of guys back, but it is so much about chemistry. And I mean, when you look at you know, kind of sack numbers last year, uh, I mean, that was a ton. I mean, just an incredible amount. And yes, some of those were on Sam. Uh, but if you're going to play a, an air raid offense where you're going to chuck the ball down the field, your offensive line has got to buy your quarterback time so he can sit in the pocket and let a play develop. And far too many times last year, that did not happen. And that's one of the reasons North Carolina you know, really was not able to challenge for that coastal and lost some big games there that were late in the season. Uh, and so for sure, all these things kind of factor in. Uh, but I do think you, you, can, you can make up for that, that passing component a lot easier than you can you know, the gelling of an offensive line. Ross, you mentioned the defensive line, or I mentioned the defensive line. They'll have issues as well. We haven't heard for Bateman. I figure that's coming in the next weeks, a couple of weeks or so. But, I mean, that's another uh, very detailed, very, I don't know, timing-based, uh, field-based defensive scheme. And those guys need to get together as soon as possible too. Yeah, I, I mean, what I think is is there's so many – to fill up the hole of Jason Strobridge and Aaron Crawford, there was a lot of guys that just need more reps – and they don't have that yet. We were, we're looking forward to seeing Kedrick Bingley Jones. I'm sure they were excited about you know getting him some reps so he could reps so he could step in and kind of be a backup this season. Um, you know, Tamari Fox was going to be a player as well. Uh, Kevin Hester, these guys we hadn't really seen play much. Uh, Jalil Taylor, all these names of guys that are going to play a lot this season um, in their place of um, Strowbridge and Crawford. They're, they're going to miss that time. So I think that's, that's another position that really hurts for UNC because um, they, 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 there's a lot of, there's a lot of names. And it, talking to Bateman, when Buck and I interviewed Bateman, he doesn't seem too concerned about defensive line. And Mac Brown doesn't seem too concerned either. So maybe they know something we don't know. Obviously, they know a lot more than we do. But um, they have a lot of guys. Uh, you know, Raymond Vahasek's another name. Zach Gill, who knows about him. So they have a lot of guys. We just haven't seen it on paper yet because Strobridge and Crawford, they played almost every snap, every game. Uh, they started coming out a little bit more the second half of the season as uh, some of those players I just mentioned got better. But um, there's going to be some definitely some holes to fill there. And I mean, that's, you know, as much as I do, that that position on defense is the most important. You have to stop the run. You have to get uh, pressure on the passer. So the defensive line is going to be a big thing to look at when these players get back on campus. Yeah, I, I don't know. Greg, you mentioned it earlier, and I feel like July 1st may have to be the day for anything to be normal. Yeah, I think this is worth discussing. What do you think, Greg? What's going to happen? Yeah, I agree. And you know, we can pivot to Roy in, in a minute, but even Roy said he doesn't think anything's going to happen in June. And granted, I mean, if you look at the recruiting schedule, nothing's scheduled to happen in June. But in terms of you know, the NCAA has already cut off all recruiting aspect through the end of May. 
So when we start saying, well, July 1's optimistic or is possible, sure. But we're also saying that right now, the best opportunity to start, according to the NCAA, it looks like, is June 1. We're talking about, what, 30 days for all this to kind of work out uh, the way we need it to. Now, if you look at some of the, the best optimistic models out there, they suggest that it should run, this thing should run its course through North Carolina as long as we, we keep in place with our you know, uh, stay-at-home orders and all those kind of things by July. So if that's an optimistic case. So if that holds, how do these schools manage that? Do you say, okay, well, things are trending in this direction. Let's jump the gun a little bit. Or do you say, okay, that's the projection. Let's wait till we get there, see how everything goes, and then we'll be very conservative in getting back to it. And if that's the case, we're talking maybe the end of July. Well, that changes things dramatically. So I think that's the – we're at a point now where we can say, well, it's, it's April 8th, 7th, whatever it is. We got plenty of time. But when you look at some of these benchmarks that are already in place, you know, the, the end of May for recruiting, for example, is a good one. Now we're we're really talking about a very narrow window of getting this thing started back. And so, yeah, I think you know, if we're not seeing football-related activities by July 4th, it's going to be very difficult to get a full college football season in, I think. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. So if they're back by July 1st, then everything goes on as scheduled, do you think? Uh, everything goes – I think everything goes on as scheduled, at least in terms of games being played. Because, you know, as yeah. Hess said, he needs eight weeks – Yep. Um, Roy, I mean, uh, Matt talked about they've already petitioned to get 10 days of basically spring ball in the summer. So if you can have those 10 days in July, in addition to training camp, you can do that. The issue is that we're talking about, you know, for some of these schools, I mean, North Carolina's doesn't have a massive stadium now because they've cut back so much, but still what, 51,000? Mm-hmm. So when you're talking about, you know, in September getting 51,000 people together, to watch a game yeah Ooh. that's what i was gonna ask right yeah i mean are our fans gonna want to be next to you know you're surrounded by 10 other fans with less than six inches uh when it's getting colder i don't know if this thing's gonna come back or not i'm no, I'm no doctor but how how willing are fans gonna be to be that close to strangers coughing kids old people um, packed into a stadium, you got 50k in Keenan, you got 100k up in Penn State and Tennessee. So that'll be interesting to see as well if, if if fans even turn out once the season starts. You would imagine where football is king down the SEC that they will. But um, yeah, and then another thing, I didn't even realize that summer school had already been canceled for UNC. So the June enrollees of for for football when the rest of the class gets here, the 12. Um, non-early enrollees get in here in June, as do the basketball players. So the, the five commitments, signees for basketball, they were supposed to enroll in June. So that's clearly postponed now, which I wasn't really – I didn't I didn't know that that, that summer summer um, school had been canceled already. Well, it's not can- – it's, it's online. It's online. So in yes, terms, of, campus, yeah, in terms of people being on campus, right, it, 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 that's not going to happen. So that I puts everything back in terms of their development, too. I mean, they're going to miss the uh, pickup games, the conditioning. I mean, pickup games in June is kind of when it all happens around the, the camps and stuff. So that's going to put basketball team behind as well, especially the young players. Yeah, and Sorry. I think that's the big thing with football. There's, what, 13 early enrollees? You know, 13 early enrollees and 12, 12 coming in in, in in June. 
so there are a lot of big name kids that were supposed to, you know, kind of get their their uh, teeth. What, what's the saying? I'm, I'm mixing <laughs> up my, uh, my phrases. Yeah, cut your teeth. There you go. Cut your teeth in in the spring, and then in the summer you can battle around with guys and be ready to play. You know, once training camp comes around. You know, at this point in time, that's looking very unlikely for any of those guys to be able to contribute a lot early in the year. I've heard, and this is way off and shouldn't start up, but I've heard that they're in their contingency plans for colleges to be completely online in the fall as well. Well, yeah. there has to be. Being no, built, so again, we're we're talking. I mean, one of the the most optimistic models out there right now, Tommy, has this thing peaking in two weeks in North Carolina, and then basically running running through in July. That's an optimistic model. Mm-hmm. So if we're taking a pessimistic model, which I don't I mean, I'm sure there are plenty of them out there, but you have to have contingency plans in place. And if we're talking about kids not being able to go to campus and they're all being online, no um, I mean, good, yeah, good luck having sports. I mean, there's going to be, there's the case to be made that a lot of athletic programs will go under yeah, because football rules everything. So there'll be a, a big lobbying push to have games in that situation, but it would be very much like what we talked about for the ACC tournament. You know, we were all set to cover ACC tournament games without a fan in the stands. And what did it take for all that to change? It took NBA. one person in the NBA to test positive and it was done. So if we get through this and we're thinking, Hey, everything's gonna be fine. If there's one player across the country that tests positive, like in September, do we do all this all over again? I, I don't and, know. And but that's a football locker room. I mean, that's a cesspool. Oh yeah. You have you get a showering, walking around, coughing, sneezing. So I mean, there's so many factors in play. Yeah, and if the the revenue from football, I mean, that's a lot of it's from ticket sales and from concessions. It's not as much from TV like NFL. You gotta have people in the stadium, and that provides the revenue for all the different Olympic sports. So it just all trickles down. Yep, it's uh, it's kind of scary to talk about. I can't believe we're talking about it. It's just mind blowing. I'm gonna take a short break. Talk about Johnny T-shirt for a second. I mentioned them earlier. Johnny T-shirt on Franklin Street. Johnny T-shirt.com. Support them. Get your ten percent off your order if you're an Inside Carolina Premium subscriber, and do the deed. Buy all you can handle from Johnny T-shirt. So they can make a little money, you can get a little swag, and Inside Carolina enjoys your support of Johnny T-Shirt. I'm going to take another break, pay some more bills, we'll come back, we'll talk Roy Williams a little bit more, and then maybe talk to Greg and Ross about what do you do when the beat stops? If you're a beat writer and there's no beat, what do you do? We'll be right back. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
I'm here to tell you about Bolin Branch Sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch Sheets get softer with every wash. They're made from the rarest organic cotton and designed to get even softer over time. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee plus 15% off your first order with code ODYSSEY. So head to B-O-L-L and branch.com today. Exclusions apply. See site for details. We're back with the Inside Carolina on the Beat podcast, johnnytshirt.com, and Johnny T-Shirt on Franklin Street is our sponsor. Ross Martin, I'll come to you first. Roy Williams with the beard. Biggest surprise of the day or not? <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. I saw that. I knew that was, that was going to be an article for me to get some some easy traffic. And I tweeted it out real early, so it kind of went viral. And, and a lot of women have been really liking it. A lot of women have been chiming in on my uh, – Twitter feed impressed with the look of Roy with uh because usually in summer he goes he goes like a little buzz cut that he lets his grandkids buzz his hair so he always has a different look in the summer but the spring mountain beard he's with his uh he's with it with Wanda up in his uh, mountain house up in a uh, flat rock North Carolina growing out a little beard so I wonder how long it could get it could, could get pretty long it looked pretty it'd be pretty cool that is uh that is not something I expected to see, but you're right, it is pretty awesome. Greg, uh, I thought Roy looked pretty I wouldn't say at peace, but he certainly didn't look as stressed as maybe one would think he would have been given the season they just went through. Well, I'd have to say that I am uh I'm rather envious of uh Roy. He's in the mountains, which is my preferred destination in the state of North Carolina. Uh for those of you who understand where he he lives he's in a very nice area with some very exclusive golf courses which this time of year are just pristine as he said he's played a lot of golf um so if you're gonna if you're gonna have to wallow and and despair of, of a poor season and you're not allowed to go out recruiting which is how he typically deals with that kind of thing i think he is in an ideal location to uh to to handle those those hard feelings that he has um but you know having said that uh yeah i mean i i think i think he understands and you know uh, evan daniels was able to get an interview with him you know a couple weeks ago and we, we've discussed that tommy but he was very outspoken in that interview of saying look understand it's a bad season uh but there are a lot bigger issues at play here you know, people are losing their lives a lot of people are having issues uh, economically losing jobs, those types of things. So I think perspective wise, um, he has a full grasp on that. And I think you know, a lot of us have approached that at, at different, uh, at different levels. And I think some of us, it takes us longer to get there than others. And that's fine. That's how, that's how we, we all deal with things. Um, but, but I think that perspective has really allowed him uh, to kind of be at peace with the season. I mean, certainly not happy with it. But it's allowed him to move past it maybe earlier than uh, than in years past. Ross, somebody asked, and forgive me for forgetting who asked it about, has he had really time to marinate on the season? On the season, his biggest thing that he said both to Evan and in this presser, he, he said that he wasn't able to get his players to play up to their ability. And I've always thought that that's a if it's a Dean Smith type thing or it's a coach type thing, sort of taking the the brunt of the failings while giving credit for the the good things, he generally genuinely believes that. But I'm not 
I'm not necessarily believing it's true. Uh, your thoughts on those comments when Roy talks about this past season? Yeah, I mean, I think the problem with I – mean, that's fine that he said that. I mean, he always tries to – he doesn't really, really want to make excuses, doesn't want to talk too much about the injuries. I think injuries played a, a large role. And then when Cole Anthony, the, the best player who we knew was going to be counted on to score a large percentage of the points, went down. They just didn't have the, the shot makers and the talent to – to uh to win games because Cole went down kind of at the worst time, the beginning of the ACC season, before a couple road trips. Uh, I think out to Gonzaga and Ohio State. Um, so I mean there was only one McDonald's All, All American left, um, and that was Armando Baycott, another freshman. And we saw the the missed recruiting and a couple of poor classes. We saw that rear its ugly head. And it all kind of came together in a perfect storm. And then Brandon Robinson missed a couple games. Brooks missed a game. Leaky Black missed a couple games. And so that all combined it. So, I mean, it just was a perfect storm. I don't know if it was anyone's fault. I don't think – I think the talent wasn't there for Roy to coach. He's always had really good teams. And you have to have talent to win. And he didn't have it this year. And that's the biggest reason. The lack of talent and then the lack of your best player missing 11 games. That's as simple as it was. which didn't have this year. And then, and then another good point is that when they were healthy, one another player was out. So I think Brooks was it was it Robinson, um, Robinson and Anthony and Brooks or something like that. They only played like eleven combined games together, so the the injuries were kind of staggered. So it was all someone was always out. Yeah, always always an issue, Greg. We never really autopsied the season on this podcast. I think that order was probably under the bridge, but. Looking back on the season and hearing Roy Williams talk about it now, um, how do you think that motivates him? I mean, he's he's not a young guy anymore. Um, I would assume, and, and the fire is still there. I still remember to this day hearing Dean Smith say, I told y'all if the fire wasn't there, I was leaving. Um, not anywhere remotely saying Roy Williams is anywhere near that, but clearly this year bothered him a great deal and maybe more than it would have when he was younger or, or is that a thing given that, you know, he's been around for so long. Is this a type season that you can just tuck away and learn from, or is it something you think will linger for Roy Williams? Yeah. I don't think he's one to uh, make excuses. However legitimate they may be. I I think he's the guy that's going to use this to drive him. And that's why I've, I've always kind of, laughed at, at people who said, oh, well, they had a bad year. He's going to retire. That's not, you don't understand how Roy works if that's what you think. Um, we could dive into the Dean's situation late, but uh, there's a reason that he left kind of when he did, and, and part of it was that he was able to hand off a team uh, that at least was going to get to the Final Four and had a chance to win the National Championship. And Roy Williams is going to do the same thing. You know, in the conversations I had with Roy during the NCAA mess, Multiple times, uh, he kind of laid it out there that, you know, I'm going to make sure this university gets through this. And when I hand it off, it is going to be in a better place than when I came. Um, so anybody that thinks he's thinking about leaving after a bad season, uh, don't really understand what he's made of. That's not the competitive uh, person that he is. I also wonder, and I think it's too soon to talk to him about this. Um, so hopefully we can talk to him later, later in the summer and, and, after he has some time to really think on it, we can talk to him about this. We all expected this type of year to occur. Now, 
I think we all thought, and I did, that it would have already happened because of what played out with NCAA mess. You know, when recruiting takes the hit that it did for a number of years, North Carolina should not have had the success that they had for such a long period of time. Um, the fact that the you know, 18 team was a number one seed is just phenomenal when you consider that Luke May and uh, you know, Kenny Williams were were not you know elite talents coming out of high school. And so I think he did just a phenomenal job kind of mitigating some of the issues there with the recruiting, but it finally caught up with him this year. And as Ross said, I mean, we can autopsy it as much as you want. They didn't have the talent. I mean, they had one bona fide NBA player in Cole Anthony, and he was hurt a lot of the year, and they really didn't understand until late how he could fit best with this team. I mean, when were we having the conversations about Roy going to him and saying, hey, I need you to do this instead of this? I mean, wasn't that in February? So at that point, it was too late. And part of that's because you know, he missed, what, 11 games, whatever it was. And so a lot of things had to go perfectly for this team to be able to be competitive in the ACC. Was this ever going to be a Final Four team? No, no chance. Could it be a Sweet 16, if, Sweet 16 team if everything went right? Sure. But I think that's kind of the situation. They're not a good shooting team. They were not good enough defensively. And when you throw the injuries in there, as well as some of the fluky endings, um, you know, this uh, this was always kind of destined to be a, a down year, not 14 and 19 year necessarily. But it's just a matter of not having the talent. And you look at recruiting class coming in, that should change very quickly. Ross, talking about that recruiting class coming in, I mean, these guys, like you mentioned, won't be able to get on campus, it doesn't sound like, as early as they normally would and all that. You know, a lot of people, a lot of Carolina fans expect Carolina just to bounce right back up to the top. And Carolina's had rough seasons. I mean, they had the 8-20 and 20 season. It used to be the season you couldn't talk about. Now it's it's kind of relative. <laughs> But uh, they had eight and twenty, but they didn't just bounce right back to the final four right after that. I mean, it took a another year or two or three years, and then Roy Williams got them back there in '05. So, how quickly can this bounce happen? Given the amount, it, it's not just talent coming in. There's a lot of talent coming in and a lot of bodies. It, is the bounce? Can the bounce be as high as some people maybe think it will or should be? Yeah, I mean, I think on paper, you look at next year's team, and it's the top three team in the ACC. I don't, I'm don't, i not too familiar with what the other, other ACC teams have coming in or, or staying, but, I mean, the the returning players are pretty good. you, you got to think, you know, Garrison Brooks will be preseason all ACC. You know, Baycott should take a big leap. He was very up and down in 2019-20, uh, but, I mean, he averaged like nine points and eight rebounds roughly and had 11 double-doubles. So you got to think he's going to be pretty – you know, take a big leap there to average close double-double. Leaky Black, you still want a lot more from him. But, yeah, the freshmen, they're, they're, they're really, really good. And it's all going to come down to how Caleb Love and R.J. Davis adapt to to being a point guard or a combo guard in Roy Williams' offense. Uh, I think they both will start. So you're going to have, man, for the first time I can remember, two freshmen starting in the backcourt for UNC. I don't know the last time that's happened. So that's different. They're both very talented. You know, you have two guys, you know, one of them, if one of them is really, really good, put him at a uh, point guard and, and, and then, you know, maybe Leaky play the two or something like that. So, uh, and I think Dayron Sharp is going to be special as well. I mean, I, I watched that competition with him 
and Armando, Armando Baycott for the starting center spot midway through the season and, and see who is playing the best there. So, I mean, I, yeah, I think there's a lot more talent. Um, I think he really has got more of the players that he likes to play with. Caleb Love is really good in transition. Um, this might be more of a Shrell type question, but yeah, top three, top four in the ACC and, and kind of see where it goes from there. I think having the returning experience will be valuable with, with Leaky Black, Baycott, Brooks, I mean, and, and Playtech for that matter as well. And Greg, before we move on, the, the one thing that I've always thought that made Carolina different, even in the one and done type situations and era, is that they had guys that were upperclassmen. This year, you're right. They just didn't have the talent. Brandon Robinson, upperclassman, did all he could. Uh, but with Brooks coming back next year, and I know he made it official or whatever, um, I would have been shocked if he <laughs> left after his junior year. But um, that is ideal for Roy Williams, to have a guy coming back. Now, he usually likes to have more than one, and Leakey needs to step up, but Garrison Brooks, even with all the talent coming in on the front in the front court, Gar- having Garrison Brooks there, I think, is something that Roy Williams just relishes, don't you think? Yeah, and before I even talk about Garrison, I mean, you mentioned Leakey. Leakey battled through injury all year and had had kind of a tough year, and I thought he played well down the stretch. Uh, and he's he's a driven young man. I, I think he will make significant strides. I think Baycott's the same way. You know, if Baycott is able to get a lot stronger this offseason, his game is going to improve dramatically without really having to change much in terms of his, his approach um, because he was just so weak with the ball at times. And if you take that away, he becomes just a different player. And then, I mean, a lot of people like to, to knock on Playtech. I get it. Uh, but he's a good locker room guy. And I think just having that type of leadership, he's, he's been around, he's seen good teams, he's seen bad teams. That's very beneficial for these young guys coming in. And so when you add Garrison to that mix, who was a kid, I don't know if he'll be ACC preseason player of the year, uh, but he should at least be preseason first team all ACC. Uh, and a guy who's really a good example of being like, look, these are the things that Roy told me to work on last offseason. I pretty much checked the box on all of those things. Um, and so I think that's really going to be beneficial for this team to have that type of leadership. Um, and, and Garrison is the kind of guy that, uh, he doesn't say a whole lot. Um, he's very emotional, and sometimes that frustrates us in the media because he may not be the best interview after after losses. Uh, but it means something to him, and and that's very critical. I'm not not comparing him to Tyler Hansbrough, not not going there, but Hansbrough was kind of that same mentality of like things really bothered him. And there's uh, a lot of guys, and Roy's talked about this, are able to to play a game, be frustrated, be upset and not long after move on just because they're kids. Garrison losses kind of hang with them a little bit. Uh, and there are just a number of players throughout the throughout the years who have been like that. You know, Joe Barry was another one. Um, and so maybe that that's something that helps this entire team in terms of toughness and, and, and the caring part of it. So I think they have a good nucleus coming back. I think they have some, um, some very talented kids coming in. They have to figure out what's going to happen in the backcourt. Um, you need at least one of the freshmen to be – uh, dynamite they've got to be a great player really from day one and that's a lot to ask but if that happens i think this team can be very special indeed roy williams today on inside carolina if you haven't checked out that interview go check it out uh, phil longo on monday that interview also up 
Sam Howell will be on Wednesday. If you listen to this on Wednesday, you need to check out Sam Howell video when it's available. Ross Martin, day 700 of the quarantine. What you been up to besides inside Carolina? <laughs> yeah, I've been, I feel like I've been working more than I expected to be as we try to produce more content, but um, I've been going heavy on the shows. I've been cooking a little more and I'm doing some projects outside of my house and I've been trying to run a little bit, a little bit more doing more trail walking and running. I got 10,000 steps every day last week. So that was a goal every day. So painted, uh, painted the patio, the wood on the patio, things like that. Some projects that I've been putting off for a long time. So hopefully finishing that up. I know Greg's been probably playing some golf. I, I know. When I heard Roy Williams say he's played golf in March and April, <laughs> I'm thinking, I bet you Greg Barnes is nodding his head. Uh, just a little bit. Yeah, not as not as much as I would have <laughs> hoped, though. The um, you know, Having the kids around. Typically, this time yeah. of year is like we're, we're through the season. And so I typically have like a, a month or so here where I can just kind of breathe. And my plate's not as full. And I can sneak out and I can play golf, you know, get nine holes in at lunchtime or whatever it may be. But now we got the kids at home and my wife's upstairs working. Um, and so we're really just kind of tossing the kids back and forth and trying to help them with academics because my son, if he could be on Fortnite all day long, then he would. So we've kind of got to throw, uh, throw whatever I can find at him to get him off of that. So that uh, that's proven to be a bigger challenge than than either of us expected but but yes i'm I'm trying to get out and at least hit balls uh, as often as i can yeah. y'all have kids and wife and y'all have kids and a wife and everything but i didn't see a single person yesterday i uh <laughs> I, I envy I, I you used, in the in the mornings i've been doing some workouts with the workout group i do in the mornings but we've been trying to keep it kind of small so if i don't go to those workouts in the morning i mean i don't see anybody i talked on the phone with a couple people yesterday but i kind of like was sitting there Monday night, it's like, dang, I haven't talked to a person in person today. I didn't see a single person. Kind of sad. There, there will be one day when you will say, damn, I wish I didn't <laughs> nah. see anybody. But it's you nice. Know what, I mean, I don't, I don't mind. But what's yeah. interesting to me, and, and we need to get out of here, but the women that I know, they have virtual wine <laughs> nights. And so they're all sitting around a computer drinking their wine, carrying on talking like, like, like they would on a normal time, just virtually. It's fascinating. Well, yeah, there have been all these Zoom happy hours that different friend groups have been putting together. You see that all the time on social media. And I've been I've done it with a couple of friend groups too. And you're like, why don't we do this more regularly? Like I've been talking with my buddies on the West Coast and, and different places across the country. And it's like we should do this at least monthly when things are back to normal anyway. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Like yeah. the crisis kind of forces you to communicate in a different way. Yeah, there was a a great meme that went around uh, a week or so ago, and it was this this elderly man sitting, and he's he's talking to his grandson. And he said, "You know, way back in 2020, a pandemic swept the nation." And his grandson said, uh, <laughs> "Grandpa, what were you doing?" And he said, "Oh, we were just sending silly memes and back and forth to our friends." And that's that's yeah. pretty much uh, the truth of it. That's it. It's. Cr- it's crazy. I mean, like, you know, of, of our lifetime, you know, nine uh, eleven, and then the pandemic of 2020, it's going to be things that are in the history books, you know, in, in 100 years or so. It's a big yep. time in history. Yeah. yeah, that's my daughter's nine. And so you know, all this, of course, is, is new to her. But she's like, 
So last time this happened, Dad, what what did y'all do? And I'm like, this has never happened. She's like, well, you're old. You sure this hasn't happened? I'm like, yes, <laughs> this has never happened. Yeah, it's uh, we're old, but it's still it's crazy. I tell you what, healthcare workers don't get their due, and that's I hope that after this they get the due they need. But school teachers, <laughs> right? A lot of people are finding out how important school teachers are in in our society. Ross, what? I, I'll let you tease something you're working on for Inside Carolina. Tell me a TV show you've been watching and want to talk about. Uh, well, yeah, this this conversation kind of goes well with what I'm going to record with Don. Callahan on on Wednesday on the recruiting podcast. We're gonna do a little football recruiting, but then we're gonna, our top five was um, you know things we've been doing that we haven't things we've been doing now that we normally haven't been doing. So new things we've been doing during the during the uh, quarantine. But we're also going to do a little review of the Tiger King episode season on um, on Netflix, that, the new show on Netflix about the big cat owners. So Don and I are prepping a big Tiger King review at the end of our football recruiting talk nice i'm sure should be fun to look forward to it. greg needs to get it get it all watched and so we can all talk about it again one day it is trash but you uh <laughs> a, lot, a lot of people have watched it is it's unbelievable all right boys it's been fun i know you guys have been busy in different ways uh but appreciate you knocking out on the beat podcast with inside carolina sponsored by journey t-shirt thanks ross thanks greg thanks tommy see you tommy Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. Grab your VIP pass. We're delving into the secretive world of Formula One. Behind the scenes with two of the sport's biggest names, Mercedes and Williams. This is not coal mining, this is Formula One motor racing. As they build their new cars. We want to be so much further ahead. We're in permanent racing mode. And face shocking headlines. Here's Lewis Hamilton moving away from Mercedes. I'm Joseph Fiennes and this is F1, back at base. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.